Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. Hello there. How y'all doing tonight? Man, I'll tell you what, such good singing, such good piano playing. Woo! Man, it was really good. I, I really, really, really enjoy some good singing and good piano playing. I am uh, very, very thankful to be able to preach the word anywhere. Dollar stores, parking lots, beautiful sanctuaries like this. It's, a, uh, it, it's an honor to get to preach and teach the word. Anywhere you get to preach and teach the word, it's an honor. And so, you know, I found myself saying something that I had never heard before, which kind of happens off, often, is that oftentimes we say we've got to do this, right? We've got to go to church, got to sing, got to preach, got to do this. Instead of saying we get to. Isn't it interesting how changing one letter changes the whole scope of what you just said? You know, you don't have to serve the Lord. You know, you didn't have to believe on the Lord. Right? You, 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 we get to serve the Lord because of what He did for us. We get to believe on Him. It's not a got to. Got to makes it sound like an obligation, but using the term get to, now we're talking, and now we're saying, oh, oh. What an honor to serve the King of Kings. What an honor to serve the Lord of Lords. What an honor to serve Adonai, that's one of the Hebrew words, the King of the universe. We get to, we got to. And so I'm very, very thankful for your pastor. Travis and I have been good friends for a long time, and I'm very, very thankful for him, and I love him like a son. And uh, you have... A wonderful, wonderful pastor and a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man of God who loves, who genuinely loves the Lord and genuinely loves the Word and genuinely loves the Scriptures. You know, there are countless churches out there that should be so fortunate to have a pastor, the caliber of man that this church has. So oftentimes, we think that numbers is an indicator of success. And you know, if that's the case, Jesus missed it. Paul missed it. Many, many, many great men of God have not had the followings like we would think would indicate success, right? But so you look here tonight, and there's a handful of people that came probably not knowing that I was coming, and they were probably coming to hear something from their pastor, and surprise, you got a guest speaker. So you got ripped off this week, but next week you'll be right back on schedule getting some good stuff from your, from your pastor. And so uh, I'm very, very, very thankful for your pastor, and I'm very, very thankful to see everybody that's here. And so <clears throat> about a month ago, Dave Bowman and I, I don't know how many of you all here know Dave Bowman, but Dave Bowman and I have been friends for... Oh, Lord. It, probably since he didn't have a beard and I didn't have gray hair, and that's been more than a day or two, I can tell you that much. And so David and I were out. We were coming back from uh, eastern Kentucky working on some stuff, and uh, we were driving back, and, and it was just a season in time where it just seemed like, man, it just seemed like everywhere I turned, every area of life was just under attack under I mean just heavily under fire and so let me uh let me let me clear something up in the light of the scriptures 
oftentimes people think that if you're serving the Lord, you ought not have trials. You ought not have tribulation. You ought not have trouble. But interestingly enough, you know, the Apostle Paul, who the Holy Spirit penned 13 confirmed and possibly 14 epistles, had trial after trial after trial after tribulation after tribulation after tribulation. And so it's commonly thought and believed that, you know, if you're serving the Lord and doing what the Lord wants you to do, you know, you ought not, you ought not have trouble. Well, unfortunately, that's a wonderful religious thought that does not stand up in the light of Scripture. And we have a lot of religious thoughts that don't stand up in what the light of what the Bible actually says. You know, think about it like this. If you ever read the book of Acts, there's no possible way that you could have ever read the book of Acts and, and really thought that. Right? You know, say, a lot of people will say, well, that was the apostles. Well, what about Stephen, who was a deacon? Or how about Philip, who was a deacon, right? These people met great adversity for the kingdom of God, for the preaching of the gospel. And if you read the epistles, Paul mentions several other people, like Epaphroditus, who came unto sickness almost unto death, and Epaphras, and, 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 and all of these different people who found themselves under great fire and under great trial and under great tribulation for the sake of the gospel. Not for the sake of a bad attitude, <laughs> not for the sake of an unpopular opinion on Facebook, for the sake of the preaching of the gospel. And so it's important to understand that there are many who are earnestly, honestly endeavoring to serve the Lord. Maybe they don't speak from pulpits. You, you know, you know, this is a wonderful, this is a wonderful podium. It's so beautiful and hand-built, and, and, hand and, and I love this. This is beautiful. But you know, <clears throat> the actual pulpit is your life. The actual pulpit is your life. And, and it's important to understand that you're preaching a message every day of your life and everywhere, everywhere that you set your foot, you're preaching a message. Right. And it's important to understand that. So if you endeavor to follow the Lord, you endeavor to serve the Lord, you endeavor to do what the Lord wants you to do. You're going to hit trials and you're going to hit tribulations. Would you like Bible for that? Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said these things I've spoken to you that to me you'll have peace in this world. You will have trials. You will have tribulations. Yeah. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Right. So, you know, sometimes we get mixed up, don't we? And sometimes we get a little confused. One guy I heard say it like this. He said, unfortunately, most Christians' minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and well set. <laughs> right? So we get to thinking that we're right, but we're really wrong. And so we really don't want to we really don't want to back off of what we believe, because if we do that, then what do we got to do? Ah, oh, now we got to take a little backwater, don't we? Anybody like to take backwater on something that you've said been wrong? You know, and you have to go and you have to apologize. Say, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Lord, help us, Jesus. We hate to do that, don't we? But the good thing is, is the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then when you realize, hey, you know what? I'm not always right. Then you don't expect everybody else to be always right. And when you realize, hey, not only am I not always right, I'm not even perfect. And not only am I not even perfect, I'm even far from perfect. Probably about as far from perfect as you can get. And then you start realizing, oh, 
Those are, they're just people too. And they're having trials. And they're having tribulations. And they're having struggles. And, and now I, I'm not requiring them to be perfect. I'm going to give them what I need, which is grace. Mm, that's good, isn't it? But, but that's tough sometimes, isn't it? And so Dave Bowman and I, you thought I forgot about the story about Dave Bowman, didn't you? No, see, I had, to get, I had to walk around there. So Dave Bowman and I are coming back from eastern Kentucky, and I had never heard that song before in my life. Had never heard it. Don't listen to a lot of, don't listen to a lot of, uh, you know, radio station music, so on and so forth. And so, but Dave's all the time listening to K-Love and stuff like that, you know. And so we were driving back, and he turns the radio on, at the exact point in the song where the guy says, we have a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I doubt it. And the Lord pierced my heart. And within an hour, I had, all, I had almost everything that he wanted to say in the message. Now, this is not the first time I preached this message. This is actually the second time. So hopefully it'll be better than the first. But you never can tell, right? So think about it. Think about the, think about the, the wording of that. We have a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I doubt it. All right? Why do we doubt it? Why do we doubt it? What if you actually opened yourself up and lowered your defenses and you actually walked into your church not acting like you've got it all together when you don't? What about that? See, Ephesians 4 and 25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. All right? Have you ever walked in here and someone say, Hey, how you doing? And you say, I'm doing great, thanks. And you're lying like a dog. Huh? Come on. Come on, let's define what a lie is. A lie is to say something that's not the truth. Can we agree to that? Can we agree to that? I, know, I understand that social media and politics and everything else has made lies not as bad and everything else, but a lie is a lie. If I say Travis has on black pants and I'm sitting here and looking and he obviously has on blue pants, I'm either colorblind or I'm lying, right? So the Bible says, put away lying and speak truth with one another. So, why do you feel like you couldn't walk into this place, let your guard down, and say, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not. I'm not okay. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I mean, I mean, I, I mean I'm in bad shape. <clears throat> we have a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but we don't. See, what do we do? Huh. We put on our fancy clothes and we make our hair up nice and we paint the outside of the temple and on the inside, the temple's crumbling. It's falling apart, right? Well, you know, I can't look weak because if I look weak, then someone will think this. I can't look like I'm struggling because if I look like I'm struggling, they may not ask me to sing anymore. Come on. It's okay. I, I'm asking everybody to let your defenses down. Not to me, to the Lord. Because you know the Lord wants to help everybody in this room 
You know that? He wants to help every single person here that's struggling with something. But if you don't work with him, you're going to keep on struggling. Would you like for me to prove that? If you're here struggling with something tonight, how long have you been struggling with it? And how long have you not let him have it? And you're still struggling with it. See that? See, let your defenses down to the Lord. James 5 and 16, listen to this. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults one to another. Whoo, man, how, could we do that? Mm, how many, how many, uh, let's just be honest. How many places that are a church could you walk into and say, hey, I, you know what? I'm a born, born again believer. I love Jesus. Now I got some stuff I need to say. Confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, so guess what? What if you don't confess your faults one to another and pray for one another? See, those two points are, uh, are the, 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 you being healed is contingent on the two points in the statement. We want to be healed, but we don't want to confess our faults to one another, do we? Well, because I mean, you know, man, you start sharing some stuff, and especially today on, in the world of fake book and Instagram. Come on, I'm preaching better than I'm getting amens here, but I'm going to preach that because you know what? You realize that most of the stuff that you see on fake book is fake. Right? You ever see a picture of a married couple on there posting pictures like they all happy and everything else and you know she's about to push him off the bridge, ready to push him off the bridge? Boop. <laughs> Tie a concrete block to his foot and, and trip him. Bloop. <laughs> you see what? And, and not, it's not just a spat, but, it's, but that's the history of their relationship. Huh? Come on. Come on. See, it's almost like school, isn't it? Like we have to be so cautious about what we wear. We have to be so cautious about how we look. And we have to be so cautious. Because, you know, if we don't look like everybody looks, then we won't fit in with the popular kids, right? You know, the church is not supposed to look like that. Because, you know, the head of the church, who's Jesus Christ, does not act like that. Mm, come on. I know this is tough. I get it, right? We don't want to talk about tough topics in the church like people struggling. Like people needing help. Because, you know, it's much easier if you just, it's much easier for me if you just keep your mess to yourself. Cause, cause, because I don't want to deal with your mess. That's what a lot of people act like, isn't it? I don't deal with your mess. Or, how about this? Well, you know, I already tried to help them once or twice. Once or twice. You see what I'm saying? What would it look like if we actually lived like, we're, like the church is the church? What if it was, what if everybody here realized I'm a part of this thing and I have a responsibility? That's a dirty word in the church to a lot of people. They don't want to hear that. Well, I don't want to do nothing. I just want to show up and sit in my pew and do this and do that. Good luck explaining that to Jesus. Try that one. You see what I'm saying? It's a standing rule that about 10% of any sum total of the congregation does 95% of the work. You think that's right? Should that be right? What if, what if 
10% of your body was having to do 95% of the work for your body. Well, you know, I'm not called to do this and I'm not called to do that. Well, you're called to do something. Listen to this. You love this? Y'all like the word? I'm going to use a lot of scripture, so just be ready. Galatians chapter 3. Listen to this. Brethren, if a man... Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Take him out in the parking lot, whip him with a stick. <laughs> Talk bad about him to the other people in the church. Ain't that, is that what it says? Is that what we see happen a lot? Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Truth be told... We know what happens, don't we? We do know what happens. And we oftentimes do not find ourselves doing what the Word says to do. And when we're doing, op watch this, when you're doing opposite of what the Bible tells you to do, guess what? You're in disobedience, which is sin. But we don't want to talk about disobedience being a sin. We want to talk about the big stuff, sexual immorality, drinking, drugs, Stealing, all this different stuff. You know, disobedience is a sin. A man that knows to do good and does not do it to that one, it is sin. Well, how about that? So it goes on to say, bear, well it says, considering thyself, lest you also be tempted. All right. So have you ever noticed that maybe you fell over there a little bit and got over there on the self-righteous side and you started, uh, you started bashing other people and then all of a sudden you find yourself being under attack and being tempted and all the... And I, I mean, it's coming against you just hotter and heavier than it was coming against them. Come on, it's okay. I'd raise both my legs if I could. Come on, it's the truth. The Bible is the truth. It says, consider yourself lest you also be tempted. That means watch what you're doing. Watch what you're saying. Watch what you're believing. Watch, what you're watch what you're, how you're acting. Now listen here. You pastors bear the entire burden of your church. Is that what verse 2 says? Anybody know this text? You deacons bear the entire burden of the church. Is that what the text says? No, it's not what it says. It says, bear ye one another's burdens... So the Bible can find every Christian under this statement. Every Christian. So you know what? The Lord really don't care if it's inconvenient for you. But we don't want to hear that. Because we don't want to be inconvenienced with other people's messes. Right? We have a sign on the door that says, Come as you are, but you really can't. We sing that song, Come as you are, just as I am. But we really don't feel that way toward one another. See, that's a problem. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. All right. Did Jesus bear our burdens? Did he? Did he bear our burdens? Do you know that 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says that if you abide in him, if you say that you abide in him, then you ought to walk as he himself walked. That's the Bible. I didn't say that. That's not Rocky Brown's personal opinion. That's the Word of God. If you say that you abide in Him, if you live in Him, dwell in Him, continue in Him, if, if you confess Him as Lord, then you're charged to walk as He Himself walked. That's what the Bible says. And it right here it says, bear one another's burdens. 
So what if, what if we, what if we weren't so inwardly focused? We could be outwardly effective. What if it wasn't just? A, what if I? What if my mindset was, you know what? I need to. I need to go. What? What do I need to do at church? What do I need to do? I. I don't. I. I didn't. You know. You know. The Bible says Jesus didn't come to to be served. It says he came to serve. It says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. All right, so then we don't want to be called servants. We don't want to be viewed as servants. But our Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he's a servant. And we're supposed to walk as he walked. So then what if, it, what if we got up and we said, you know what? What can I do for my church? What can I do to help? Do you need the floor swept? You need me to pick up cigarette butts in the parking lot? What do you need me to do? Colossians 3.23 says, Let everything that you do be done with it, your whole heart, like you're doing it for the Lord himself and not for people. So what if you looked at this thing and you viewed this in your entire Christian walk and your entire, everything that you do, what if you viewed it from the perspective of, Lord, I'm doing this for you? How would that change what you're doing? How would that change how you're thinking? How would that change how you're acting? You see what I'm saying here? Come on. How would that change how you view the people around you that are struggling? See, because oftentimes we don't want to be honest with people about what we're going through because we're afraid that if we share what we're going through, they're going to burn us at the stake. Come on. Is that the truth? It's the truth. We're afraid of what people are going to say about us. We're afraid of what people are going to tell other people about us. You know, they're going to tell something on you probably. If they don't like you and they're against you, they're going to tell, tell something on you. I've had people say the awfulest bunch of stuff about me that was, that was not even remotely, even, even remotely the truth. They still told it. Well, see I, don't have to, see, I don't have to worry about that because, see, they have to answer to the Lord for that stuff. And we're going to prove that. But there's a, it, it, if you want to pull a primary text, I'd go to, I encourage you to go to the 18th chapter of Luke's Gospel. And let's look at this thing. Because, see, in here is what, you know, when we read this text, you're going to see that you have been in one or two of these positions in this text. You've been in one or the other. I guarantee it. Wait till, we, wait till we read it. All right. Now, interestingly enough, starting at verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. Let me go back to Galatians 6 and 3. One, just for a second. It says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Now, ladies, don't be fooled. The Bible's talking to you too. Come on, you, can, you can't stand there and say, well, Lord, I thought he was talking to all men. No, 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 Lord, girls. He's talking to y'all too, so, so don't, be, don't be fooled, okay? Interestingly enough, if you look up this word that says it thinks himself to be something, if you look in the Greek text and you, and you kind of look at, you get an ideology of the picture here that it says, that if you kind of worded it from the Greek, it would say, if you think yourself to be someone special, 
you, de you deceive yourself. Now you got trouble, right? Because see, the blood of Jesus was shed for all, yeah. right? You know, at least five times in the New Testament, I can take you and show you that it says that God shows no partiality to any person. And we don't want to hear that because we want to think we're tight with the Lord, right? We want to think, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, with, uh, realistically speaking, from a natural standpoint, with the way Brother Dupier plays the piano, I could understand why the Lord loved him a little bit more than he loves me. You know, I mean, with the way Sister Marilyn sings, I can understand why the Lord may love Sister Marilyn a little bit more than he loves me. Because I don't bring a lot to the table, realistically speaking. A cowboy hat. That's about all I really bring to the table. It's like, you know, I got to have something. It's like, you know, but from a natural standpoint, I don't bring a lot to the, I don't bring a lot to the table as a benefit to the kingdom of God. Now, I used to think I brought a lot to the table. And then the Lord began to teach me. He said, hey, look, you ain't as special as what you think you are. And I said, well, Lord, thank you for that. That kind of hurt my feelings, Lord. I thought I was special. But his love, oh, his love, he shows no partiality. But sometimes we step into this role and we think more of ourselves than we ought to think. Luke 18 and 9. Listen to this. Now watch this. I, I, I really didn't, this didn't really come on, this light really didn't come on until last night when I was reading this. Because commonly they focus on what Jesus says and not what the scripture says right before he speaks. And it says, And he spake this parable unto them, which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right. Now, let's tell the truth. We're not asking for a show of hands. I'm going to raise mine, just so this is a demonstration of honesty. Have you ever trusted in what you thought was your own righteousness and despised what someone else was doing that you thought was acting like a heathen and a sinner? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So then, so, then so then probably most of us have stood in this position, have we not? All right. Now, I told you, you're going to find yourselves. Most of us have been in both positions in this spot and what's about to come in the text. Watch this. All right. One of my favorite verses of Scripture. Two men went into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican, a tax collector. All right. So you would probably know that if you did just a little study and that tax collectors were really, really, really hated in Israel at the time. Why? Because they were considered traitors to the country because they were taking taxes from Jews on behalf of Rome. And really most of them, history does kind of give us a little indicator that most of them were corrupt. And so most of them, if, you know, if Brother Marty owed a dollar in taxes, that tax collector would say, well, you owe me, you really owe a dollar and a half. And he'd take the dollar for Rome and 50 cents for himself. So that's why they were, this is why, if you ever really didn't know that, but just kind of looked at this, this is why tax collectors are viewed so poorly in the light of the Gospels. Two, two men went into the temple to pray. You could put that in natural standards, natural uh, standing and say, two people went into church. Two people went to the altar to pray. Mm. 
the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men. Woo! Man, this brother has got a complex, don't he? Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican, this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. <laughs> and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, that means brought low, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All right. Do you think that that tax collector felt welcome at the altar? Do you think he felt welcome in the temple? But he had just as much right to go there as the Pharisee. He had just as much right to go to that altar and pray as that Pharisee. All right. Have you ever went to a church and felt unwelcomed? Have you ever went to a place and felt, just from, mean, from the, just the, the moment that you kind of walked in, the people turn and they look at you and you feel, I mean, you instantly get a feeling. Man, I don't, I don't really feel like I belong here. I don't feel very welcome here. Should that be so? Should that be so? Should, we, should it be so that we can't go into a, a, a building with other believers and feel unwelcome? Said I'd not be so. And, and, and even the more so, how, how much the more so should we not go into a building that we call the church that we attend and feel unwelcomed, unloved, unwanted? See, this is supposed to operate like a family, a good family, not a family that has trouble, not a family that kicks you out, not a family that puts you down, not a family that runs you down, not a family that tells everybody in town your business, right? Anybody got family like that? Come on. That's okay. That's okay. Oh, look, we were... Right? It ought not be so amongst people who name Christ as their Lord. Do you come here in the position of the Pharisee? Because if you do, Jesus answers it for himself. Says, I tell you, this man, now he's talking about the tax collector, who fell down before heaven and wouldn't even lift his eyes unto God, says that that man went to his, went to his house justified and not the Pharisee. 
For everyone that exalts themselves shall be humbled. How many times have you went into prayer, praying, God, I thank you that I'm not like, oh, come on. I'm not like my cousin who has drug problems. I'm not like my niece who has relationship problems. Come on, come on, come on. I'm not like this person who's a crook or that person who's abandoned or, or, or this person who's immoral. Have you ever been there? It's okay. Because see, I've been there. One time. I'll never forget it. So used to, because I had several, fa- a lot of my family that, uh, that i got to take this jacket off. I feel like I'm, I'm sweating like a hog here. So I used to have, I still do have a lot of family that's involved in drugs, right? And so I, as a young kid, younger kid, I developed a hatred for drugs, people that use drugs. I didn't get born again until I was 27 years old, folks. And that was after a bull riding accident that almost put me in, right in front of Jesus. And I'll never forget it. I was standing there. I stand at W.D. Brown's. She used to work at W.D. Brown's. I stand at W.D. Brown's. And I was standing behind the sales counter. And there were several other salespeople that were there with me. And I saw, we saw, I saw this guy come in. To this day, I can't remember who that guy was. And they start, he walked in, and they started talking to him. I didn't say nothing. I was standing there keeping my mess to myself, right? But I thought in my heart, I was like, I can't stand a drug addict. That's after I was born again. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, what's that there in your pocket? I said, oh, that's my snuff can, Lord. He said, huh. Addiction is addiction. I thought, you ever, you ever feel like the spotlight just comes on you and now you know you're in trouble with the Lord? Like this, like, you're like, I was like, oh, man. Man, it was stern correction, too. But see, how many people that have that problem feel comfortable going to a church? Because we put out an image that everybody's welcome, But are they? Are they? Are they really? How are you treating them? See, we've got a sign on the door that says, come as you are. But most people doubt it. Because they see how Christian people act on Facebook. They see how, I'll tell you, I mean, I dealt with a lot of people when I worked at W.D. Bryant's for a number of years. Preachers. I'm telling you. A horrible witness to the lost. A horrible witness. As a matter of fact, I almost ended up in a fist fight with one of those preachers one time down there when I wasn't even born yet. Over recommending a material that they were you that they should use, that they were working on a floor that had water under there. And I don't. Would it, I had already had enough of this guy over the years. I mean, I you know it wouldn't have took much in those days for me to turn his driving lights out. I ain't gonna lie to you. I didn't like him. He didn't like me. I didn't care. I wasn't even born again in those days. And I was walking by another salesman. 
and the other salesman was waiting on him. And I was trying to get past him because I could hear they were struggling. And I was like, man, they're about to ask me a question here, and I don't even want to fool with this guy. And so I was going. I was, I was almost past him. And the salesman, hey, what do you, I need some advice here. I said, okay, what is it? You know, they got water under the floor, floors rotted, subfloors rotted, you know. Uh, what do they need to put back in their place? He said, they're wanting to use Tonga Groove OSB, which is extremely cheap. I said, well, if you're having water trouble that you can't get solved, you need to put Advantech back down there. Why Advantech is a product that's, you know, super, super high quality, water resistant, all this different stuff. So I'm standing there, and the salesman gives this guy the price, and that guy looked at me, and he said, you're trying to rob me. You're trying to rob the church. I said, I'll tell you what I'm about to do. I'm about to call you an ambulance because you're fixing to need it, Jack. <laughs> I, said, I, mean, I told him, I said, I'll tell you what, mister, I've been guilty of a lot of things, some things worse than bad. But I ain't never ripped off a church. How are we acting? If you don't feel like you can come here and be honest amongst people that you know, how is someone going to come in from the outside that's never been here and feel like they can let their guard down? See, you know, we, we're called to bear one another's burdens, to help one another. That's an unpopular thought in the church. Well, that's the pastor's problem. Says the scripture nowhere. Think about it. Are you someone that someone who was struggling could come to and talk to without fear of you running and telling everybody else their business? See, isn't that something? And you know, a lot of people are weighted down heavily with things that they're struggling with that they should be able to come here and get help and not be made fun of and not be looked down on and not be talked about. But sadly, that's not the case in most places. Listen to this. You know, a lot of people don't even feel like they can go to the Lord. You know that? There are a lot of people who struggle and they feel trapped and they feel chained and they feel like that they can't even go to the Lord. And maybe it's because they've been, that maybe they've been preached at, not necessarily from a pulpit, but from people. Well, you know what? The Lord don't even want anything to do with you. You're such a mess. Anybody ever feel that way? Huh? You ever feel like that you can't even talk to the Lord about what you're struggling with because you're so embarrassed and so ashamed that you can't even, you can't even, go, you, you, you can't even go and talk to Him? You know, there's a lot of people that feel that way. There's a lot of people that live life every day just like that. And maybe it's just because that if you're not struggling with that in this season, doesn't mean a lot of people around you are not struggling with it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, 
He said, come to me. All, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your, under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Labor here, don't let this word labor fool you. You know, oftentimes we, we, we don't really study deep enough. We think of a word, we think of a word, and we think of the definition that we know, and we don't even possibly think that there's other definitions to that word that could change the meaning of that word depending on the context that's being used. So labor here makes you think work, 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 right? That's the labor, we're, that's kind of the word that we've, been, that we've been taught, right? But the Greek word kapao means, listen to this, it could mean to feel fatigue. It could mean to let work hard. Be wearied. To grow weary, tired, exhausted. To labor with wearisome effort. So he says, to all of you that feel this way, he says, come to me. Come to me. And heavy laden, heavy, not native to the Greek text, the word laden here is translated from the Greek word fortizo, and it means, listen to this, interestingly enough, listen to what this means. We think heavy laden, right? That's kind of a blind term to us. Like, we don't, we don't really, really, really think about that, right? But it, it's defined by Strong's here as to have a burden placed upon, to carry a heavy burden, to be loaded up with a heavy burden. Why am I focusing on the word burden, burden, burden? Bear one another's burdens and what? Fulfill the law of Christ. So, so he says, come to me. I want to help you. I want to help you. And I'm going to, and, and, and I'm going to put people in your path to help you. Isn't that something? Because he cares for you. Man, if we could get a hold of this, this would be life-changing. This would be revolutionary. See, men are taught that they have to be a certain way and act a certain way or they're not tough. Right? Men can't cry. Men can't cry because real men don't cry. Well, you know what? Jesus is the warrior king. Would you like for me to prove that to you? Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, it says, The Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. Yet he wept. So you tougher than Jesus, big boy? Huh? Come on, men. Come on, you tough. Big guys, right? Big men, we can't, we can't cry. We can't get... Well, you tougher than Jesus? Huh? You tougher than him? You, you, you able to take on sin, death, hell, the grave, and all the power of the adversary? I don't think so. See, we have religious thoughts that don't stand up in the light of scriptural truths. See that? Come on. What if we just actually did what the Bible said and bared one another's burdens and said, you know what? Travis, 
I know. Man, you're, maybe you're having some trouble. I want to help you. Can I pray for you? How can I help you? Do you need some help? Johnny, do you need some help? See that? See, we think that strength is indicated by what we can lift, press, push, drag, pull, all this different stuff. Well, that's not true strength. And as a matter of fact, you're not even commanded to stand in your strength. You're commanded to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's Ephesians chapter 6. See, what if we turned our focus to being the person that someone can come to and help and get help? Free of judgment, free of condemnation, free of shame. Oftentimes we have far more compassion for people we don't even know than the people that we do know. Well, would you like for me to prove that? Well, you could find out that the person that you voted for was an absolute criminal, dirty dog. But now if they're running your party next year and you vote strictly party, you're going to vote for that person. Don't matter whether they're a criminal or not. And condemn the person that's sitting in the pew next to you for falling into sin and transgression. And have this person's yard sign in your yard. Mm, well, that's good preaching right there. See that? What if we actually had a church set up to where people could come in and say, you know what? Man, I am, I am struggling. I need help. Not just to the pastor, right? Not just a, not just a uh, hey, you know, uh, let me schedule a meeting with you, Brother, Brother Jones, and, you know, and all this and that. What if, what if we... What if we just held up the music when someone came to the altar and needed help? What if he said, you know what? Let's just everybody. Let's just everybody. Let's just go down here and let's just love on this person. Let's just help them. My friend Dave Bowman says some of the most astounding things sometimes. One time he said, referring to James chapter 5, James chapter 5, let's go back and look at that, verse 16. It says, confess your faults to one another. My friend Dave Bowman said, who could you really do that with? Who could you really do that with and then not use it against you at a later date? Wow. He said that to me probably 10 years ago. Think about that. How many people in your circle do you feel comfortable with saying, hey, you know what? I am struggling with this or against this. No, because we've got to keep our mess intact, don't we? We have to keep our image up. There used to be an old English show called Keeping Up Appearances. And that's oftentimes where we find ourselves. And we find ourselves running that loop again and again and again and again and again. And we keep finding ourselves doing the same thing today that we were doing six months ago, 12 months ago, 24 months ago. We're still struggling with all this different stuff. We're still treating people the same way. Mm. Sometimes, or maybe even more often than not, the problem that we're having with how we're being treated is how we're treating people. Mm. Would you like Bible for that? Sure you would. Because y'all are Bible-loving people. If you go to Galatians chapter 6, back to Galatians 6. 
Let me show you something. Look at verse 7 right here. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So the Lord said it to me like this. He said, he said if you sow a corn seed, you get a corn stalk. If you sow an apple seed, you get an apple tree. If you sow talking bad about people all the time, if you sow putting people down all the time, if you sow judging people harshly, all, you see where we're going with this? It's easy to see that, isn't it? it can you see that? Because see, God's not mocked, nor is He amused when we act like heathens. And sometimes we all do, don't we? And it's okay. Let's admit that. Let's be open about that. Sometimes, you know what? I do not always extend the amount of grace to people that I should. That's why I'm still learning too, right? We're all learning. Interestingly enough, we were watching, I was on YouTube there the other day watching something, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what it was, but there's all these videos on YouTube. And all of these people's claim to fame is putting someone else down. You, you, ever, notice that, you ever notice that in politics, a very extremely high percentage of what they do and what they say is what? Putting the other person down. They are not, they're not talking about what they can do. What if well, people would fall out if, you, if someone stood up and said, hey, you know what, I, I don't even have anything against this guy. I just feel like I'm more qualified for the job than this person is. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I'm not going to put their wife out. I'm not going to put their wife down. I'm not going to put their kids down. I'm not gonna, you see what I'm saying? Man, what would it look like if we lived like that was true. See, oftentimes, a lot of the trouble that we're having is what we're doing. And it's coming right back on us. So maybe the fear, the genuine fear that we have about coming into a setting like this and vocalizing our struggles and our trials and our tribulations is because of how we treat people when they're struggling. Mm, that's tough, isn't it? But if you're honest with yourself, is that something that you struggle with? Is that something that you have trouble with? Remember I told you there in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says if you say that you live in Him, that you ought to walk as He walked, right? So think about this. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 18 says, Where in all things it behooved Him who made him to be made like unlike his, unto his brethren. So Jesus was made like us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things per pertaining to God to make re reconciliation for the sins of the people. Well, one of the number one character traits of the Lord, if you go to, first, if you go to Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. All right? So are we acting like that? Mm. Are, are we endeavoring to be great in mercy with the people that aggravates us? No. Sometimes I feel like we want to think we want to take them out there and whip them with a stick, right? And sometimes people need that. <laughs> but, but ultimately, let's think about that. 
are we gracious to people? Are we welcoming to people? Do we receive people in their struggles and in their trials and in their tribulations? Hebrews chapter 4 says this, verses 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, he's talking about Jesus here. But was at all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Interestingly enough, what I want you to focus on here is, is that Jesus is touched by our infirmities. Our weaknesses, our struggles, our trials. He's touched by these things. Should we not the more so be touched by these things in our brothers and our sisters around us? Hmm. And, and, and just one last scripture. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. If we're supposed to look like he looks and talk like he talks and think like he thinks, because that's what that means, right? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, when it says, if you say that you live in him, then you ought to walk, live as he himself walked, yeah. as he himself lived. What would that look like? If instead of saying, standing here, looking down, what if we said, hey, let's talk about this. What is I love you? And I want to help you. And I, and I love you because the Lord loves you. And I want to help you because the Lord wants to help you. What if, it, what if we did that? What if we just circled up the wagons and said, okay, who here is struggling with something? I preached this message to my group and I told them, I said, what is said here stays here. And I said, and if I find out that anything that was shared here, you got out and told somebody else, I said, I'm going to put you out publicly and you'll never be welcome here again. Because I'm not here worried about tithes and offerings. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to speak the word of the Lord. I'm here to help people. I'm here to preach the word. I'm here to help people be set free from the power of the adversary. So you know what? If the people, those people don't show up and they got mad because of that statement, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find someone else to preach to. Because I was looking for a job when I found this one. I told him, I said, if I find out, if it comes back to me, that anything that was shared here in confidence of the people that are sitting here, if you go out and you tell other people that, I'm going to put you out publicly and you're not coming back until you publicly repent. You're going to get out and act like a heathen publicly. You're going to share people's business publicly. You're going to lie on people publicly. Then you ought to have the guts to repent publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's tough preaching right there. The people I've already said, they're like, Lord God, we ain't never coming over to see that guy. And that's okay. Because, but see, here's the thing is that we ought, to, we ought to be looking out for one another. We ought to care about one another. We ought not give place 
to someone talking about someone that we care about and believe lies or stories or partial truths on people. See, we ought to, we ought to have fervent love for one another. We ought to care about one another. A friend of mine, a pastor in Lima, Ohio, Damian Tibbs, wonderful man. He said, back in April, I heard him say, he said, people, how did he say that? Let me think about that. Well, I had that right there on the tip of my tongue. He said, people don't care what you know till they know that you care. Think about that. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. So what if we just round, what if we just circled up the wagons every once in a while at the church and said, hey, you know what? What are you struggling with? Is anybody here struggling with something? Because see, we're really good about asking for prayer requests. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But how often do we have the confidence to raise our hand and say, uh, I need prayer because I'm struggling. Because in all honesty, I've had a drinking problem for 20 years and I've been battling it and I've went to rehab and I've done this and I've done that and I've done everything that I know to do and I've even I've been praying, I've asked the Lord, you know, or, or maybe I have trouble with pornography or, or maybe I have trouble with lying or maybe I have trouble with judging people. or all, I, I need some prayer and what I need prayer for ain't my mama and it ain't my kids. I, I need prayer for me because I'm struggling with this. What if, what if that was the environment that we walked into knowing that the, that the people that are there, they care for you. They want to help you. They're not looking for something, information on you to talk about you, put you down, run you down, run you down in the church, run you down into Sunday school, run you down. Run, you see what I'm saying? What if it was from the perspective of, no, 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 I care for you. And I love you. And I'm going to pray for you. And, and can I do something to help? See that? What if we just really... Just told the truth. And what if we had an environment where we could 